It's so good to be with all of you today. We're going to take a quick second to welcome not just all of you in the room, but everybody who's watching with us from around the country and even around the world, our global ex-family. Church, can we give up for all of the people watching online? You may not know this, but every single week we have people tuning in from everywhere. I mean everywhere. I just looked this morning, Scott, as we were starting, North Carolina, Tennessee, Florida, South Carolina. We had somebody in the United Kingdom watching this morning. I don't even know what time it is there, but that's pretty cool. Canada. There's people watching from all across the world. And so what that means for you is just my encouragement that what you're a part of here at X Church is not just here in Canal Winchester and Pickerington and, and Lancaster, Columbus, but it's really a global thing. And so I want to encourage you with that. And we are right now in week four of a series called Unstoppable, where we're going through the book of Acts, which is where Jesus started the church, okay? The church, not necessarily like the building that you're in right now, but the church that's been around for 2,000 years. The church that's seen governments come and go. The church that's seen empires come and go. Nations come and go. But what's remaining right now is the church of Jesus. And right now we have different expressions of it. We have buildings, we have gatherings, we have all sorts of things all across the world. But it's been here for a really long time. And uh, we've had a couple of incredible messages. Can we give it up just for Pastor Tim and Pastor Russ and how they've taught us through this series? I want to encourage you. This would be a great one to go back on to our YouTube channel and to catch up on because it really gives you a great foundation of how the church started in the very beginning. And so make sure you go back and watch it. We're going to continue that today. But I just want to start off uh, with a question. How many of you have like a legitimate phobia? Anybody? Like a legitimate phobia? Maybe you're a little bit weird. It's okay. Um, uh, maybe some of you are scared of like insects or uh, scared of heights. I don't know what you're scared of. My thing, this is really weird, and I'd even debated whether or not sharing this with you, but ever since I was little, I was always afraid that my, my fingernails and toenails were going to fall out. That's just weird. Stop laughing, Janice. Put your phobias in the chat online, and it'll make me feel better. I'll go back and read them. But I'd, from, from the time I was like little, little in elementary school, I can remember we'd take turns like being the line leader when you go places. And the line leader had to hold the teacher's hand and I was terrified because I'm like, I, I, you might see me like just out and about and I kind of doing this all the time. I still do it. I'm just pushing my fingernails back in. I don't want them to fall out. <laughs> but you're weird too. You got some phobias. I know it. Does anybody want to come up and share? Anybody? Nothing? Okay, well, well, we'll leave that invitation open. Just kidding. Please don't come up here. You'll get tackled. <laughs> but we all have things that we're afraid of. I don't know what it is for you. My wife, she's afraid of spiders, deathly afraid of spiders. And <laughs> there was one time we were um, renovating a house, and we were staying in my parents' basement when we were doing the renovation. And our bed was on the floor, and, you know, it's a basement, and we were in the middle kind of like of the woods. They kind of live in a wooded area, and, you know, woods, bugs, basements, there's bugs. You just got to, you know, you got to expect it. And this happens often, and so I wasn't too alarmed at first, but um, it was one night, and early on, like first couple days we were there, middle of the night, I hear just a shriek, ah! and I'm like, you know, okay, what's going on? Is this one of those times again? Well, 
She wakes me up, Kevin, there's a spider, there's a spider, I know there's a spider. I'm like, whatever. And so, you know, go turn on the lights and... And every, every other time I've ever done this, there's really been nothing. I'm like, okay, let's just go back to sleep. You're just freaking out. You had a bad dream, right? But not this time. <laughs> this time, I, I'm still, I'm scarred. I think I'm afraid of spiders now. I turn on the lights, and she's like, Kevin, I, I feel like there's a spider on me. And I looked, and on her shoulder, there was, I'm not kidding. It wasn't even an insect. It was like a mammal. That thing, it was on and I saw it, and I shrieked, ah! And, it's, and have you ever seen a spider that's so big you're afraid to kill it? <laughs> if there's any animal lovers in the room, shut up, it's a spider. <laughs> so I went to get it because I'm, you know, I'm brave. And, and I went to kind of like shoo it off of her, and that thing just jumped onto the, onto the ground and ran away. That was fact. It took me like a couple whacks to get it, and I got it, and I, I, it was, we had to call a cleaning lady to come and clean it up because it was just, the splat was in, incredible. And my sister-in-law, she, um, she loves to do crazy things, and she is a skydiver. How many of you are afraid of heights? Say, so would never, ever go skydiving to save your life. That's me. I'm also afraid of heights. And she, you know, she'll go, she's like on her way to be professional. And so she's done like over 20 jumps, something crazy like that. And every time she comes, comes back, she's like, you got to come. You got to come. I'm like, I'm never doing that in my life. Some people, it's on your bucket list. I will, they will never do that. That's the perspective you get when you go to heaven. You don't need to get that before you get there. And my wife, she's like, I would love to go one time. I'm like, you are not going. We have children, Okay. So until they're supporting themselves, that's when you can go skydiving. We're not going to risk that. But we all have these fears, and I don't know what yours is. Um, there was this one phobia. I was doing some research on phobias. That does, this was funny. Some of you probably heard this before. I'm going to read this to you. This is a real thing. This phobia is hippopotamonstrosis quipidaliophobia. You know what phobia that is? It's the fear of long words. Tell me how that makes sense. I'm sorry if you have that. I really just stressed you out. It's like, what's your phobia? I can't say it. I can't say it. Here's what you know to be true. That some of us have cute little fears like that, and we joke about them. Um, but fear has the power to do some really crazy things in our lives. And nothing has the power to stop us in our tracks like fear. Nothing has the power to paralyze us like the emotion of fear. That maybe you can just get that feeling, maybe you're afraid of heights, just imagine that feeling of looking out of that little death plane out onto the earth and you feel that feeling in your, in your throat, in your chest. And that it's more than just an emotion. It's a feeling that we get in our bodies. And nothing has the power to hold us back like the emotion of fear. And honestly, in 2020, 2021, uh, we live in a society, a culture where fear is just rampant. I don't know if... You've heard there was this election that went on last year. And 
I don't care what side of the aisle are on, if you, or if you don't, if you don't have a side, I don't know. But maybe if you're on the on the right side of things, like the the right, you know, the right Republicans, you know what I'm saying? Um, you want to get in trouble up here, okay? If you're on one side of things, you think that our country is a couple weeks away from becoming Venezuela, socialism, okay? If you're on the left side of things, you, you look and you have certain opinions about a man that was uh, the president of our country, and you think there was nobody who was more fear-mongering than him. I'm not saying, but here's what we can all acknowledge, is that you can't turn on the news without seeing a headline that's intended to scare you. Have you ever heard this phrase, fear sells? Everyone's trying to drive our lives... Using what? Using fear. And the sooner we recognize this, the sooner we can come to grips with it, the sooner that we can take control of it. Because fear is rampant in our culture, but we also face the fears uh, that we deal with on an individual level. Things like uh, the fear of saying the wrong thing. Have any of you experienced that over the past year? It's like, I just don't want to I don't want to offend somebody. Like I, I don't want to say something that's going to hurt somebody's, you know, feelings. I, that's just not who I want to be. Um, maybe you have like a parenting fears. You know, like you just you, you're trying to do your best, but you are legitimately afraid that you're going to screw your kids up. Uh, maybe you have some fears at, in your workplace that you just really fear that you know what your boss thinks of you, or you fear what your coworkers think of you. Or maybe you're in school and you have a legitimate fear of fitting in. And the legitimate fear of not being likable. And maybe you're single and you have a, a legitimate fear inside of just, am I, am I always going to be alone? Like, am I lovable? And these are all fears, maybe not on the external, but on the inside. And honestly, when it comes to the church, I feel like, the capital C church, the church in general, really has been quite confusing about fear. When you think about the emotion of fear in the church, I think about phrases like, fear's not from God. Okay? I saw a t-shirt at the mall yesterday. It said, faith over fear. Have you seen that one? And then I've heard things like, um, uh, there's one fear not for every 365 days of the year, right? But I've also heard this. I've heard this scripture, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You heard that one? I've heard this scripture, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so how do we reconcile this emotion of fear? Because here's what I also know to be true is that Jesus had times when he was afraid. And he was God incarnate. <laughs> but you remember that time when he was about to go up on the cross and he was about to, to pay the punishment for our sin and, and, our, and our death. And, and he was about to pay that punishment for us. He was about to sacrifice himself. And that time where he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was praying to his Father in heaven. Father, Father, please just... Take this cup from me. Is there any other way? Can, can I just not do this? And what does scripture say? That he was so nervous, he was so afraid that his capillaries burst and he sweat blood. 
Have you ever been so afraid that you sweat blood? Probably not. So Jesus was afraid. I'm sure Moses was afraid. Imagine having a nation following you, even if you've never been in church, I'm sure you've heard the story of Moses uh, leading, leading the nation of Israel through the parted Red Sea. Um, imagine when he got there and the sea wasn't parted yet. <laughs> and he sees the armies coming, he's like, oh boy. But I'm sure he wasn't afraid at all, because fear is not from God. You think David was afraid when he saw Goliath? Literally, there was no other person who volunteered or wanted to be a, take any part of that battle. But, but David's like, okay, I'll do But do you think he was afraid at all? Just a little bit? Do you think Abraham was afraid when he walked his son up to the place to be sacrificed? Do you think he was feeling any fear? What I want to maybe explore today is that Maybe we need to do some more digging into the emotion of fear. Some of you, are, your perspective of church and your perspective of God is that you're just afraid of him. And that you're afraid of doing things wrong. And you think that, that God must hate you because of all the things you've done in your life. And I'll be the first to tell you that's just not true. Okay. Some of us have that perspective of God when it comes to our fear. But at the same time, we know that all these heroes in the Bible have experienced it as well. So today we're going to do something. We're going to interrogate our fear, if that's okay with you. We're going to be in Acts chapter 4. This is a note-taking message for all of you that have an electronic device or an actual notepad with you. We're going to tie together some themes hopefully to be helpful when it comes to this emotion. But in Acts chapter 4, just to give you a quick summary, Jesus, um, he, Jesus died, he was resurrected, right? He, he shared with his disciples what was going to happen when he sent his spirit. So he ascended into heaven, he sent his spirit, the church was started, right? And, and here we are in Acts chapter 4. This is right after Peter and John, uh, if you are familiar with last week's message, they just were walking into the temple gate and they saw this lame man, that had been there every single day. And what did they say? Remember this big dramatic thing, silver and gold I do not have, but in the name of Jesus Christ, in other words, get up and walk, right? This guy was healed instantly. What happened? They went into the temple and they started just praising God and he started, started sharing his story and Peter and John started sharing about Jesus and here's where we are in Acts chapter four. It says, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. And they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people. You have to understand this. The religious, uh, the, the controllers of the temple, the Jewish temple, right? This, um, the Sadducees, which was this really rich group of people who really made decisions along with the priest and his family, right? They saw these people teaching something else in their temple. You have to get that context. They were greatly disturbed because they were proclaiming Jesus and the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John. They arrested them because it was evening. And they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. 
And the next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and, other, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them. They were going to put them on trial. By what power or what name did you do this? And then Peter, and, and then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people... If we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Verse 11, Jesus is the stone that you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else. Therefore, there is, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Whew. That fires me up. But honestly, can you imagine being John and going, what he said? I think we look at these biblical heroes and we think man that was so cool but if I was in that situation I would not have responded like that imagine all these people being upset at you right the people who just killed Jesus right just murdered your friend for doing nothing wrong right and and what would you have done like I I would imagine myself kind of going like put me on trial and like whose name did you do this under and it's like oh yeah I, I can't remember. Like, it's just, can we just call this a misunderstanding? Like, it's fine. Like, I just didn't mean, or I'd, maybe if I had a little more courage, I'd be like, oh, well, yeah, you, you know, Jesus, he told us that we could do things like that. And so I was just like, let's try it. And so get up and walk. And he did. And I was like, it's just an accident. Like, can we just like forget this ever happened? Like, we'll, we'll just, we won't do it again, you know? But that's not what Peter did. Peter's kind of like that friend um, that uh, always talks back when he shouldn't. Like, I don't know, did you ever get in trouble in school and you're kind of like, let's just, you know, let's just be cool. You know, let's just be cool. Or maybe when you were a teenager, you were doing something stupid and maybe the cops were called one time and you're just like, let's just be cool. Like, let's just... Let's just be cool. But how many of you have that friend that, that when someone of authority shows up, they just talk back right away? And it's like, shut up. Stop doing that. You know? And Peter was kind of that guy. Uh, in verse 13, I, this is where we're going to camp today. And I hope that this scripture encourages you as much as it encourages me. And every word of it is important. Let's, let's go through it. It says, but, this is the religious leaders, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And just a quick aside, I just want to encourage some people today, and maybe you've been so afraid 
to step into a church environment because I've, I've never even opened a Bible or I don't even know who Jesus is. I've been saying his name wrong, Jesus, for all these years. And now I, I, it doesn't matter how many times you've come to church in the last year. It doesn't matter that you've never been to a New Testament survey class or hermeneutics 101. And it doesn't matter if you've taken theology courses. It doesn't matter if you've been to any one of our classes that here's what's true, that God wants to use you in a courageous way to build his church, that there's no training, there's no schooling, there's no factoid you need to know to be a part of it, but what he does want to use is your courage. And so how can we take this fear that we wrestle with on this earth and this emotion that we feel, and how can we respond to it with a courageous spirit like Peter and John? And that's what we're going to talk about today. I want to tease out two different types of fear. We can't get into every type of fear today, but I think there's two specifically that are the driver to most of our behavior. And the first one is the fear of man. The fear of man. I don't think we really realize how often um, we're afraid of other people. How other people's opinions right, of us, how other people's perspectives of us, what other people think we should or shouldn't be doing. I don't think we realize how much that actually drives our behavior. And as we're interrogating fear today, I think that we would uh, really be wise to interrogate the fear of man because here's what I know to be true is that fear of man always leads us to something. And the question I have For you today is what has fear of man led you to do? Has the fear of man led you to be insecure? The fear of what someone thinks about you? Has the fear of man led you to be timid? Has the fear of man kept you from sharing your faith? Has the fear of what somebody might think about you kept you from praying for somebody when you knew God was kind of leading you to do it? Has the fear of man caused you to try to fit in more than stand out for God? Has the fear of man led you to think that no one's going to provide for my needs and so I need to provide for my own needs and so maybe the fear of man has has led your heart to start feeling emotions of greed. What's the fear of man led you to do? What's the fear of man kept you from doing? And so we experience all of these emotions, and we've all felt these things from an early age. It's part of Society. It's part of our social life is that there's all these social pressures to, to fit in, to have friends, to be a certain way. But here's what I want everybody to understand is that what Acts 4 is, it's actually the first ever persecution of the church of Jesus. Did you know that? That this was the first time ever that someone was arrested, right, persecuted for professing Jesus. And what scripture says, that if Christ is in you, then you also will experience persecution. He didn't say you might experience persecution. 
Scripture says you will experience persecution. What is persecution? Basically, it's just something coming against you, right? It's someone coming against you. And that in society today, we're so concerned with, with just not rocking the boat and making sure everybody likes us and saying the things that everybody wants us to say to go along and get along. But what I want you to know is that you can't, as a Christ follower, you can't avoid things coming against you. You can't avoid persecution. You can't avoid people not liking you. What did Jesus say? They will hate you because they hated me first. And if they can put Jesus, the sinless, perfect son of God on a cross and kill him, then surely they might not like me. Some of us have a spirit of people pleasing that we just need to, we need to interrogate that. That's fear of man. And what do all these feelings really ultimately lead us to do? These feelings lead us towards sin. That if you feel like other people can't meet your needs, remember that greed we talked about? That will lead you to sin. That will lead you to trusting your own strength. That might lead you to lying. That might lead you to stealing. That might lead you to hoarding. You really got to identify those moments where those feelings of what fearing men will do to you, you really got to identify what it leads you towards. I'll tell you what being timid in your faith will do. It'll cause you to be disobedient to God. And so when you fear somebody's response, when you go and ask them if you can pray for them or if you ask them to come to church, what it'll do is it'll actually make you timid. And, and what being timid will do make you uh, be, uh, be uh, isolated. It'll make you stop doing what God's called you to do, which is share your faith. All right? The fear of man, some, of, some people are so afraid to get out of their house that they're, they're literally just experiencing isolation um, like they never have in their entire life. You ever heard that an idle mind is the devil's workshop? You ever heard that? That's because when you're alone, that's when the voice of the enemy loves to tempt you and, and lead you to do things that you're not proud of. We need each other. We need community. And so the fear of man will always lead to feelings that will maybe lead to sin. And then once you experience that sin, what will that lead you to? That'll lead you to experience shame. That'll lead you to experience guilt. Have you ever been just so ashamed of yourself and who you are and what you've done that it's hard to even like Acknowledge God? Have you ever experienced guilt to such a degree of the things that you've never told anybody? Some of you right now are in the middle of your marriage and you have something that you're so guilty about sharing that it's affecting your relationship with your spouse and your kids. And all of us experience these things and we just, we're just not proud of them. And we hide them and we conceal them because that's what's true is that when you experience shame and guilt, that leads to hiding. And hiding is kind of the, the personification of fear. When you're so afraid that you hide, you think about Gideon, right? When he was threshing wheat in a wine press. 
And I know that you guys know exactly what that means because we all do, right? But you would never thresh wheat in a wine press. Wine press is a big pit. When you thresh wheat, you need wind, you need the air. But he was so afraid of who would see him that he went down into a pit and, and just said, I'll just work with it because I'm so afraid. Now, literally, he hid because of his fear. Now, what are you hiding right now? This is my question for you. What's inside your soul, inside your spirit, that you are hiding from the people around you, the closest people to you, and from God himself? Because fear of man will lead you to that place. Right? And we're in the, in the time of society where, where it's just really hard to, to casually live life with a low grade of fear and a low grade of anxiety. Because there is gasoline being poured on that fire, baby. You have to address the things that you're hiding. You have to address the things that you're keeping from the people who love you. And that's what the scripture says, that nothing kept in the dark will stay there. And it will always be brought to the light. And you know what that does if you're fearing man and you're in this cycle? That will make you be more afraid. What if somebody finds out? What's going to happen to my job? What's going to happen to my relationship? What's going to happen to the way people think about me? And that same feeling of jumping out of a death plane will rise up in your throat even though you're standing on the ground. What if somebody finds out? What if somebody knew? And so this is a cycle that will continue. You can throw that next arrow up. The fear of man. There's actually a term for this in Scripture. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, says this, For God has not given us, what? A spirit of fear and timidity. You know there's a difference between experiencing the emotion of fear and being overcome by a spirit of fear? You know there's a difference? There's a difference in the emotion in the spirit. And I think that I need to tell some people that because every time you feel the feeling of shame or a feeling of fear, you feel shame. Because, oh, God doesn't give fear. Let me tell you, God did create fear. <laughs> we wouldn't have fear as an emotion if God didn't create it. Every time you go to pray for somebody, every time you take a step for God, here's one thing I can promise you. You will experience fear. Every time, every time I've ever done anything, taken a step for God, it has been the first thing I feel is fear. The emotion of fear is from God, but what's not from God is the spirit of fear. And so you have to realize, and let's interrogate the, the things in your life, right, that will lead you towards the spirit of fear, this cycle of the fear of man that will lead you toward anxiety, will lead you towards depression, will lead you towards isolation over and over and over again, and it will distance you from God. That's what the spirit of fear will do. It says, it says for God hasn't given us the spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Now, there's another type of fear that I want to go through, and that's this, the fear of God. The fear of God. 
Now, this is a little tricky because um, maybe some of you grew up in like fire and brimstone church, right? Where you just get really antsy and you're like, oh, I don't, you know. Repent! Let's try to rewrite that today. Can you just work with me for a little bit? Let's try to, let's try to let God speak to us through, through this cycle today. The fear of God will always lead you towards something. My question is, what is the fear of God leading you to do? Because in my life, the fear of God has led me towards feelings like uh, the need to forgive somebody. Is that when you understand um, how much you've been forgiven, how much God has forgiven you through his son Jesus, that it leads you, I can't help but to forgive somebody. So who in your life do you need to forgive? Who in your life are you harboring bitterness towards? That when you fear God and not man, that it will lead you to forgive people. I'll tell you what the fear of God has led me to do, um, and many to do, is the fear of God has led me to be generous. Because when you understand that, that God has given you 100% of what you have, that when he asked for the first 10% back to sow into his church, to his bride, it's like, absolutely, God. Not because I'm afraid of you, because listen, I know, I, I know what you say is true and that I trust you with 10% and me with 90% more than I trust me on my own with 100%. Is that the fear of, of God will lead you to help somebody in need. The fear of God will lead you to have a generous spirit. The fear of God will lead you towards obedience. How many of you, God's kind of pushed you and nudged you to do something that does not make sense? Right? Some of you, God's calling you um, to change your job. Some of you, God's calling you to take a pay cut. Some of you, God's calling you to start serving in the church. Some of you, God's calling you to start serving with the children's ministry. Some of you, God's calling you to adopt a child. Some of you, God's calling you towards doing something that really doesn't make a whole lot of sense in the natural. If I fear man, then it'll keep me from doing those things. But if I fear God, it will push me towards doing those things. And like, well, how do I know? How do I know if, if, if I'm feeling the right person? And how do I know if these feelings I'm feeling are the right thing? Which cycle they're in? I don't... But here's what we know, is that these things will always lead towards this. There'll always be things that help people. Always. And we're so afraid. Let's just stick on the generosity thing for a second, because I know everybody gets a little squeamish when we talk about it. Is that when you're generous, it's not just like a you and God supernatural thing. Like it's, I mean, at the end of the day, literally, it's to help people. That when you, when you sow into God's kingdom, when you sow into church, what we do is we help people. That's what we do. We create environments like this where people can come to hear a life-changing message. That people's lives have, have changed in this room. Maybe you're one of those people. who There was just one day where you walked into this room and you heard a message and God spoke to your heart and your life is completely different. 180, 180 degrees different from when you walked in. We got a, a letter, I don't know if you saw on social media, from 
that gentleman who is in jail and he, they watched what we send out every single week, our experiences to the prisons kind of in our area. And he sent in a letter to us and he said, you have no idea what that meant to me. My life completely changed when I saw this DVD, right? When, When you're generous, what it does is it helps people, right? When you forgive, what it does is it helps people, right? When you take a step in obedience to start a ministry, to leave a job, to stay at a job, sometimes that's obedience to God. Sometimes it's obedience to stay at a church. Sometimes, sometimes staying is obedience, by the way. And when you do that, what you're doing is trusting God that there's someone who needs to encounter you. There's someone who needs to hear your story, right? That the fear of God will always lead to things that help people. And when you're helping people, that always leads towards your purpose and experiencing God's blessing. Always. And when you experience all of these things together, you understand that, that really it wasn't fear at all. It's when you, when you fear God and it leads towards you forgiving people and, and when it leads towards you loving people and when it leads towards you being obedient and stepping out and, and when that helps people in a profound way, in a life-changing way, and then that brings you purpose and blessing and then they start fearing God and then they start doing things that help people and then they feel purpose and they feel blessing and then they find some other people who do. You see, this is what happened in the early church, right? And what happened to them? They grew by thousands. They grew by thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands. And so are you fearing man or are you fearing God? Because when you fear God, what you understand is what it says in 1 John, that perfect love will do what? It will cast out all fear, right? So the fear of the Lord, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And once you experience that, it you realize it was love all along. And Peter and John, you know, they, they continue to be persecuted. That they continue to experience moments where they, they had to decide, what am I gonna do with my fear? I don't know if you know the fate of the disciples, but there was only one disciple who didn't die a martyr's death, and that was John. And it's nowhere in scripture, but uh, it's said in kind of oral tradition that, that John, they tried to boil him to death. But when they threw him in the cauldron, he escaped without an injury. And so then they ended up exiling him. And that's where you get the book of Revelation, right? Uh, Peter, they ended up crucifying Peter. But he said, I'm not worthy to die the death that my Savior died. So they crucified him upside down. And this was a mild persecution in terms of what happened to the early church. That there were Christians or people who followed the way or who professed Jesus that, that they would wrap animal flesh around them and throw them into the Colosseum to be eaten by lions. That's real. You know, there's Christians today who, who are losing their life because of professing Jesus. In the Middle East, in China, there's places where, where the persecution is unfathomable. And you hear in America all the time that the church is being persecuted, maybe, you know. And maybe it's just social persecution, because that happens too. But let me just tell you that you will never 
take steps towards God without feeling the fear that comes with persecution, the fear that comes with sharing your faith. But this scripture is, is where we're going to land today. Psalm 27 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. And this is the question that David asks that I hope just fills your sails today. Whom shall I fear? Because the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it's my enemies and my foes, they'll stumble and fall. Though an army besieges me, my heart will not fear. Though war breaks out against me, even then I will be confident. Even then I will experience courage in the face of all fear. I don't care if it comes from Fox News or CNN or CNBC, that against every fear I can display courage because I know whom I fear. Why don't you stand to your feet today? I hope this was helpful to you. I think that there's two things that will really practically I want you to take with you that you can do every single day. Every single day. If you feel like you're, you're, you're stuck in the cycle of the fear of man, the spirit of fear, and you don't know how to get out, let me tell you two ways you can get out. Number one, you can just let God search you daily. Let God search you. This is a prayer that David prayed. He said, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my, what, anxious thoughts. Know my fears. And see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in ways of everlasting. And some of you just need to wake up and realize you've been living in a spirit of fear. So once you let God search you, you can then do number two. Repent often. Repent often. And sometimes we think that there's fireworks that need to go off when we repent or someone's got to be screaming that word in our face in order for us to do it. And that's just not true. That's just not true. You know, repent, there's kind of two translations for the term in scripture. When you go back to the original language, one means to physically turn around. One, and maybe God's calling you to do different things in the natural Maybe God's calling you to turn off the TV. Maybe God's calling you to shut off your social media. Maybe God's calling you to spend your Sunday morning somewhere else (laughs) in church. Maybe God's calling you to change the way you live your life. And so if you're in a spirit of fear and God says, no, this is, he'll reveal it to you. If you ask God to help you, you know what scripture says that he is an ever present help in your time of need, which means that he will show you the things you need to change. So maybe there's some behavior that you need to change in the natural, but here's another thing that, that the word repent means. The word repent means to change your way of thinking. Yeah. It means to change your thought process. And did you know that science even backs this up? Have you heard any sort of research about neural pathways and how long it takes to create habits and how long it takes to change your, the ways that you think is that God knew that before science ever found that out. And so some of you need to change what you're doing in the natural. And some of you, some of you need to change the way you think. And how do you do that? You just let God search you. Let God search you and repent. God, I'm sorry. Turn around. God, I'm going to think differently there's no shame and no guilt and no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And let me tell you, when you let God search you and when you repent daily and when you live by the fear of God, which you realize was actually love the entire time, God's inviting you to be a part of his unstoppable church. 
that will be here way far after us and that was here long before us. But he's inviting you into his purpose, into his blessing. He's inviting you into the courage that Peter and John displayed and that I hope no one tries to boil you. But here's what we do know, that when we come against any type of fear and when we come against any type of oppression, we know where our courage comes from. We know where our confidence comes from. Whom shall I fear? So every eye closed, every head bowed. Some of you today realize that you need to to turn your life around. And the Spirit of God is letting you know that right now. His Word says that where two or more are gathered in His name, there He is also. And so right now, some of you feel the impression inside of your body and inside of your soul that God is calling you towards himself, which is a repentance in and of itself. And you've been living in a spirit of fear for too long. And over the course of the last couple years, over the last couple months, you've realized that you can't fix this on your own. And there's no one person who can do it that lives on the earth, but I tell you that there is somebody who can change everything for you, and that's the person of Jesus. And so I'm gonna lead you in a prayer, which is basically a prayer of repentance to turn your life towards him. His word says that whoever believes in their heart that Jesus is our savior, and that God raised him from the dead, and they confess with their mouth that he is Lord, you'll be saved. So many of you are going to pray that prayer here and online. There's nothing spiritual about the place, but really just the position of your heart. So if that's you, just pray this prayer after me. Jesus, I come to you today a sinner in need of a Savior. Now, God, I don't know what to do with this fear, but I acknowledge right now that it's not about this fear, just who I fear. And Lord, I commit today to follow you for the rest of my life. I don't know how it looks. I don't even know the next step, God, but I will trust you. Now, God, I want to help people. Now, God, I want to experience your purpose. I want to experience your blessing. And that even though there's men that come against me, even though there's thoughts and ideologies that come against me, God, that because of who you are, I don't have to be afraid. I might experience fear, but I don't have to be afraid. Thanks so much for tuning into this message. I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith. If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We want to connect with you and we want to be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? And as always, I want to say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.